Did you know the name Pterodactyl and T-Rex have met the same fate? Both are nicknames that also cover their sibling species. There are many different prehistoric flying reptiles and we love to call them all pterodactyls because the name is fun to pronounce. Okay, I made that last part up. That's probably not the reason. Anyways, welcome to Pterodactyls Are Pink. I promise this is not another dinosaur podcast. Thank you for coming along on this adventure in episode one. It's been a while, a long while. Apologies for not posting sooner. So it took me a while to figure out what topic I should talk about. I kept going back and forth on which one was good enough to be number one and it led me to a point where there was no action at all. I eventually realized all of these topics are important to me, not just the one for this first episode. So I let the fates decide. I wrote down a list of topics and numbered them one through 20 and I have a 20 sided dice. Die? Dice? Eh. That I will roll and whatever number that lands on is the topic that I will discuss for this episode. Oh nice, lucky number 13. Of course if you've read the title then you already know the topic for this number. Everything is in audio so we're using the honor system but I do promise that the first number I roll is what I'm going with. Unless I've already rolled that number previously then I'll roll again for a new one. You know, I might actually make this a segment of the podcast just to keep it interesting. All right, let's hop into it. Imagine a time and a place of no cell phones and no cell reception. And you're an explorer trekking through the deep jungle when you happen across a native tribe who warns you of a tree that eats people. Of course, you have to check it out. It's what explorers do. So you go even deeper into this jungle until you find it. An imposing giant so terrifying even other vegetation stays away. There it sits with branches that move as quickly as serpents that you cross to get there. What would you do if you crossed a monster like this? Well, in 1874, a German explorer named Karl Leisch, 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 apologies for butchering his name. A German explorer named Carl traveled to Madagascar, where among other things and creatures that he found, he encountered a carnivorous tree that was revered by the native tribes. Carl wrote a report of a woman being sacrificed to this tree by one of the tribes. The tall monster had serpentine branches that moved lightning fast and strangled its victims. In 1914, another explorer named Chase Osborne corroborated Carl's story although he couldn't find the tree or the tribe but he noted that the local missionaries confirmed its existence and i would like to note that later on down the timeline this story was reported to be a hoax in that the tree the tribe and the woman did not exist moving on to the nubian tree in 1881 phil robinson wrote a book of his uncle's experiences in nubia a region in northern africa near the nile river one of the monsters from this book was the nubian tree which lured animals into its branches with aromatic flowers and golden fruit that looked like drops of honey the tree would then seize its prey in its branches and apparently it wasn't affected by guns or knives oh yeah pretty gruesome and now moving on to the third from a legendary story the cow plant yes yes i'm going there 
we are going to discuss the sims. So the cow plant is a carnivorous plant that is large enough to swallow a sim whole. Sims can feed the cow plant with leg o lamb, but if it's hungry for a bigger meal, it will stick out its tongue, which has a slice of cake on the end and lure a sim close enough to devour them. Now these are all interesting stories. Of course, the first two are from the 19th century. Looking and researching and trying to find more current stories and tales, I wasn't able to find a whole lot specifically for man-eater plants. Um, it turned out that after the story of the Madagascar tree was published, there was a flurry of other accounts, reports, and stories of man-eating trees, but they quickly kind of fell out of popularity, especially around the 1920s. But we do have carnivorous plants and they're located on every continent except for Antarctica. Some well-known ones are types of pitcher plants and also Venus flytraps. These plants aren't waving their branches around like the whomping willow from HP or constricting people like, well, constrictors. They're using sticky slime to immobilize prey or digestive fluid if prey falls in, like with the pitcher plants, or gets caught in a snap trap, like with the Venus flytraps. They most certainly aren't man-eaters, and unless you're hit with a shrink ray, you aren't on their menu. So why have these stories still survived? Why do people enjoy hearing about man-eating trees specifically? What makes them legendary? So my running theory is that trees are gentle giants, and they provide a lot of life-saving things for humans in general. We chop them down, but use their lumber to make home. You know, shelter, that's a really big thing. We eat their fruit. That's a really big thing as well. Trees produce oxygen. That's great as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess oxygen is pretty important. And we use all different parts of the tree for different things, even medicinal purposes. So whether it be the root or the bark or the leaves or the fruit, we use so many different parts of so many different trees. And like I said, they're gentle giants. And trees are big, even the small ones that you might see in some yards. Like the maple tree, still huge compared to other plants. And the kingamon giants, at least I've dubbed them the kingamon giants, the redwoods. So as you can see, we look at trees with awe and amazement and splendor because they're huge. And it's not only their size, it's also their age. To see these trees that last for centuries, sometimes even longer, it amazes us, especially because there are trees planted in different spots that have been here long before a lot of us arrived and will probably be here long after we leave. And then, like I said, the life-sustaining things. So what happens when we flip it on its head? What happens when these giants stop being gentle, when they decide to be man-eaters. I mean, it's an absolutely terrifying thing when you think about it. And we already have the scariness of plants and everything. When you look at different plants, like accidentally choosing the wrong mushroom or eating the wrong part of a plant and having those ill effects. But what if the trees actually move, the branches grab you, and the tree, which we look to for shelter and everything else like that, actually becomes your biggest threat and tries to consume you. Like, that's absolutely terrifying. I don't care what anyone else says. I mean, just imagine that. What if a redwood was chasing after you? I mean, there's no handbook in the world to prepare you for that. Like, we've watched enough. I'm going back to dinosaurs. Yes, we've watched enough dinosaur movies to kind of have an idea of, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of zigzag if I'm running from a T-Rex. However, what are we going to do? 
if a redwood chased us. Okay, I'm going off on a tangent. Let's get back to it. I would love to hear your thoughts as well on why these creatures are legendary. That's just one of my running theories. I'm pretty sure there's millions of others out there. So please let me know. Thank you for joining me on my adventure today. If you enjoyed this episode, please throw a few stars wherever it is that you enjoy listening to podcasts. If you'd like to leave a comment and also answer the question about what makes these creatures legendary, head on over to pterodactylsorpink.com. The link is in the description. References for this episode are also available on the website. Now onward to episode two.